spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. Thank you for joining us on Easy's Community Focus, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. We have reached the one-year anniversary since the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a global pandemic, and that created all sorts of issues for everyone in every capacity, including our friends at Florida Power and Light. I'm very happy to welcome the Regional Director of External Affairs, Juliet Rolak. How did... COVID impact what you do at FPL? Well, Ellen, thank you so much for having me. And uh, it certainly impacted me personally. Who knew that we'd be here a year later uh, talking about the same thing? But, you know, at FPL, we recognized immediately the impact that this was having on our community. We saw it in our customers struggling to make bills for those who were laid off unexpectedly. Uh, We saw it in lower usage. We saw it in so many ways. And we immediately got to action with several programs that uh, would help our customers. So the first I can share with you, and many of our customers know, of course, we suspended, most importantly, our disconnect policy, right? So we were not going to disconnect any of our customers during certainly the first six months of the pandemic, which no one anticipated would have these ripple effects. And uh, that's something we're proud that we did. And we also, of course, waived any reconnect fees at the end of that process, as well as any late fees. And, you know, we're doing a lot more in that regard with our customers. We also have direct bill relief to customers who were significantly behind on their bills in terms of some bill credits. We also have new bill credits for low-income customers who receive assistance through the Low Income Home Energy Assistance Program. And uh, we also have an initiative that we've rolled out for small businesses who we're seeing uh, really being impacted. And and they also, uh, if they're a year or less or new businesses, they're eligible to a 10% uh, bill credit each oh, month through wonderful. the end of year. Wow. How do customers, whether they're individuals or businesses, find out how to apply for these programs? So um, FPL Help, we made it very simple. So it's www.fpl backslash help. And that's exactly what we hope to do. It's wonderful. I know you've always been there for the community as we need you, particularly with hurricane season not so far away. And we saw just in the last couple of weeks in Texas how things were a disaster during winter storm Uri. People had no power in freezing temperatures there were deaths, and their power grid is separate from the rest of the nation. And we have found over the years that FPL has continued to improve our own power grid. So when we have a storm during hurricane season, you're able to get our power back on if it goes out so quickly now. Well, thank you for saying so, Ellen. And it's not by chance. You know, many of us have been following the news on all that's been going on with Texas. And that's predominantly because of an underinvestment in their infrastructure. 
as well as, as you mentioned, them being an isolated grid, which has a lot to do with a deregulated economy, energy industry in Texas. So what do I mean by that? So in Florida, FPL, as you know, is regulated by the Florida Public Service Commission, which always in tandem with FPL looks out for the benefit of the customer. And so there are long reaching plans. Uh, The company has to look out in the future to see, for instance, the number of customers that we expect we will see in population growth. So we always are sure that we have enough capacity right? That's Mm -hmm. hugely important. And going back to what you're talking about, the response time on our recovery after a storm, that is because of significant and continuous investment in the grid. We have weatherized our grid, so to speak, and that's become a very common phrase now that we watch Texas. But in that, we know that we are experiencing climate change here. Mm -hmm. So we're, we are, as we put in poles that will withstand uh, 135 mile per hour winds as we see increased storms and hurricanes. Those are the types of things that we are proactively doing to withstand the types of natural disasters that occur for us in Florida. Um, but with all of this, it's, it's learning, right? Uh, we continue to invest the technology that we're installing, the innovation that we're installing in our grid is also a huge benefit in grid reliability. And of course, lastly, but not least, is the fact that our grid is interconnected with several other grids, which definitely helps to support the reliability. And even with this reliability and all of this investment and the constant improvements, the FPL bills are actually lower than the national average. You're more affordable than in most places. Yes, yes, Ellen. And, you know, I hear that most for people who I meet who move here from other states. We often don't recognize how fortunate we are here in Florida. But you're right, uh, 30% below the national average and certainly one of the lowest in our state of over 50 utilities. So um, that is in large part, Ellen, because of the investment. So the infrastructure we have is far more efficient because it is very new and current. And the efficiencies that we recognize, including fossil fuel plants, which are far less costly than oil, and all of these other investments allow us to bring that efficiency and lower costs to our customers. Now, one of the things that you've invested in In light of what you're saying with, you know, climate change, we've got Earth Month beginning in just a couple of weeks, is both clean energy and solar and green energy. What are the improvements and changes you've made that help us have clean energy and that are bringing solar into our lives? Wow. So we are so excited about our clean energy portfolio. First, last year we announced our 30 by 30 uh, plan, which is to install over 30 million solar panels by 2030. We are already well underway with that. And uh, the exciting news is we've already moved our state to number five in the country as one of the top solar generating and producing electricity states in the country. So that's very exciting. And we expect to end up um, close to number two by 2030. 
The other thing we're doing is we are building the largest solar-powered battery in the nation. We're talking acres, right, of, of a battery that, um, and this is going to be just tremendous. And we're leveraging our existing, an existing solar plant that we have to build the battery adjacent to that. So that, again, is really thinking outside of the box and um, growing our existing technology to uh, incorporate the battery. And just so I understand, you're building the solar so that you will be delivering green energy. We don't have to actually have solar panels on our homes to make this progress. Correct. But, you know, solar panels on the roof works, but of course, in a much more significant scale that we're able to have our solar generation, you know, the return is far greater. Okay. Uh, So, yes. The most exciting thing, though, is our green hydrogen. So, There is a lot of research that's been done, and we think that we will be able to harness hydrogen and have green hydrogen generation, and we hope to pilot that program. It would be the first in the country, and that has the potential of getting us to zero carbon emissions because that is 100% carbon-free. So if it works, that's something uh, that we would look to include and incorporate in our existing fleet and hopefully uh, work towards moving to 100% carbon free. I have this image of a whole bunch of scientists in their white lab coats, you know, working on energy. How do you find the people and the scientists and the minds who are coming up with this innovation? So, you know, if you hear our present CEO speak, he always speaks to the fact that we find the best talent and we appreciate our talent. You know, our employees, their fresh ideas, the diversity of our employees all lend to the ideas, the innovation that we see and the desire to, you know, make a difference in the energy industry. So we do connect a lot with uh, research and scientists, and uh, many of them we have in-house, but we also, of course, work with consultants and other innovators throughout the country and the world. And as you're doing all of this with the constant improvements and expansions into new forms of energy, you're actually creating new jobs at the same time. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, one of the things we actually highlight is that, particularly with our solar expansion, we have hired uh, several veterans. We actually have a program dedicated to training veterans on how to install our solar systems. And that has been hugely popular and successful both. We do a lot of work with veterans here at Easy 93.1. How can veterans get in touch with you to find out whether they're qualified or whether they could be part of the training program? Again, that would be on our FPL site at backslash solar. And there's a lot there that would be open to them. Okay. There is so much great work being done at FPL, and certainly I appreciate it as a customer of yours and someone who can look at my bill and see how it is different from the $8,000 bills that people were getting in Texas. I just, I couldn't even believe it when I heard I have friends who live there, and they were telling me about the insanity of how the billing works, and, you know, during those freezing times when they didn't even have power, they were racking up these insane 
insane bills like that we've never heard of here. So yeah, there are definitely disadvantages to the deregulated market. You know, there is no oversight on uh, the bills and uh, they're completely unregulated. Okay. Uh, my heart really went out to people. Yeah. Well, for those of us who are here, any quick words of advice on getting ready for hurricane season? Yes. Uh, never be too overprepared. Uh, you know, despite all that we do, we cannot um, assure that the power will not go out. In fact, it's likely. So we just ask that you be safe. Have all your supplies ready to go for at least a couple of weeks. That way you're overprepared and we will do our best to get you back on as soon as possible. Do not uh, walk outside in any standing water where there may be downed lines. Please be safe with your generators. Uh, those are the words that I would have to share. And I'll be doing the same with my home. Okay. Well, I so appreciate having you come on the program to keep us updated on everything that's happening with FPL and how the company is continuing to evolve as the needs of our community and our country change. So I want to give those websites again. If you are needing assistance for uh, payments regarding COVID-19 and the special programs that are available, you can go to fpl.com slash help. If you are a veteran or know a veteran looking for work who would like to train for something that could be very interesting, go to fpl.com slash solar. And if you're just generally curious about everything that FPL is doing, just fpl.com, follow the links and you'll find everything out. Uh, any final words for our audience? Just want to thank you, Ellen, for all that you do with Easy 93 and bringing uh, relevant community topics to your audience. We appreciate you. Well, thank you so much. Juliet Rolak, Regional Director of External Affairs for Florida Power and Light. Thank you. Thank you, Ellen. Making her debut on Easy's Community Focus in what I hope will be the first of many visits to the program, Miami-Dade County's newest mayor, Daniela Levine-Cava. Mayor Cava, thank you for making time for us. It seems like you've got kind of a whirlwind <laughs> since you started as mayor. How are you adjusting to this new life? Well, thank you for the opportunity to talk with you. And yes, indeed, it's been a 100 days and a week, and we are uh, doing very well, I must say, in the midst of a pandemic. Of course, I focused on that and recovering our health as well as our livelihoods, but I also am moving forward with the purpose for my being elected as mayor to move forward aggressively on issues like uh, climate change, sea level rise, mobility, violence reduction, affordability, and jobs and job opportunities. That's a whole lot to take under your wing. I know you've got several years to work with it, but you have to have gathered a team around you to help with these efforts. Are there particular organizations that you're working with? Oh, yes. Well, my whole story is one of collaboration. So I've gone inside government to be able to work across the cities, 34 municipalities, with the area universities, the nonprofits, the business community, the civic organizations, the faith community, you name it. That's what I have built as a network and I need everybody. I need everybody to join to move forward on these uh, very challenging opportunities, I'll call them. I love Truly, that. They are <laughs> I love mm -hmm. that. Well, you've been doing some form of public service most of your life, um, yes. you know, 40 years in Miami-Dade County. What 
inspired you? What was it that pulled you to public service as opposed to private practice as an attorney? Really, it's in my DNA, I must say. Uh, My mother, my grandmothers, my mother-in-law, my father too, and grandfathers, uh, all of them in one way or another really focused on building better community. You know, in the Jewish tradition, tikkun olam, of repairing the world. So I come to that quite naturally and uh, really never had a choice. I understand that. And what a great set of role models you've just mentioned, especially during Women's History Month. Yes. What is it like for you being the first female mayor of Mm Miami-Dade County? Mm -hmm. First of all, I am so excited for the little girls who look at me and think this is normal. Right. This just inspires me. And I am so tickled because so many little girls and boys too, little boys too, are excited to meet me because I am the first woman mayor. I hope I'll make them proud as mayor regardless of my gender, but I do know that making sure people understand that women can do anything they set out to do and that I am the role model for that, it makes me very proud. Love it. Did you encounter challenges along the way because of your gender? Were there other glass ceilings you had to break? I really had a great set of opportunities growing up. I never perceived that there were barriers in my way of achievement. And I have to say that in politics was the first time that I came to really feel that there was different treatment for men and women. After all, I was working in the social service, social justice arena, a place where women have long been in leadership roles, but coming into elected office Uh, Even though there were other women elected, uh, it seemed that there was a bit of a double standard. Women were um, supposed to behave themselves in a certain way and also still be effective and get things done. And now as mayor, I definitely think that people are, are looking at me and wondering if I can be strong as well as compassionate. Of course you can. <laughs> you know, that's exactly. a personal <laughs> quality. It has nothing to do with gender. What mm-hmm. made you decide after being on the county commission for six years that this was the time and that you wanted the challenge of the top office? As commissioner, I was able to accomplish a lot. I felt very proud of my record. And I knew that as one of 13, I was not going to be able to turn the tide on some very critical issues. I say I needed to go upstairs to the 29th floor to get those things done. And of course, as a strong mayor, I have lots of opportunities to lead, but also the policy body is the commission. So I have to do what I've always done, work collaboratively, find partners, forge consensus to move my agenda forward. I feel like you're so calm. And I looked at your <laughs> calendar online at miamidade.gov slash mayor. Mm-hmm. And it's just, mm-hmm. you know, morning briefing and then a meeting and then a briefing and a meeting. And it just doesn't seem to end. And yet you're mm-hmm. so calm. And and that's uh, an emotional quotient, I believe, you know, emotional mm, intelligence kind mm, of thing. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I think it comes also with wisdom. I was not always calm. Uh, as a young woman, I was, uh, well, I've always been energetic and I've always had a lot of ideas that I put forward. But I think with time, I've learned to listen more than uh, speak. And that has stood me in in good stead. I just came from meeting with uh, people who live in an area where there were fatal shootings 
a few days ago. Mm. And we took a team to go door to door and offer assistance. So many were traumatized by having the shooting in their backyard. Yeah. Uh, so many, of course, are struggling economically or with other service needs. And um, it's very humbling and, and very, uh, I will say it's a gift that people were so, they opened the doors and they talked to us about their concerns. And I'm, I'm grateful to have a chance to be with them and learn from them. I think when you actually talk to people one-on-one, it's much easier to, for anyone to recognize someone as a human being rather than as a them. And and yeah. that's one of our biggest issues in America right now, not just yes, locally, yes, but, you know, yes. throughout the, the country that we're trying to overcome. You know, obviously the pandemic is on people's minds. What is your process and your input with the receipt of vaccines and distribution mm. of vaccines? I've been extremely preoccupied with getting enough shots for our community. I have to tell you that this week has been a true turning point. The federal government has come in with a massive amount of vaccines for our community. Uh, We're going up to over 80,000 doses per week, whereas we had been more like 2025. So uh, I I visited yesterday, we had a press conference at the North Campus of Miami-Dade College, which is going to be a super site up to 5,000 doses per day. It was humming with activity, so efficient, so well-organized, people very calmly participating. And in short order, we're going to be persuading people to come get the vaccine. It'll stop being that uh, crush of demand. So we're looking forward to that. We're assembling teams to go out and talk to people about the safety and the necessity of getting vaccinated. I've been on it. 24-7, I have to say. It's a challenge. It's something that we've never dealt with before. And you can see the numbers are responding. Um, You know, there are fewer new cases, although there have been warnings from the CDC about these new variants that are coming in that may be more contagious. But I guess that's will be one of your challenges if it comes yes, to that. Yes, we one hope it does. One step doesn't. at a time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, what would you want the the community to do? What would you ask of Miami Dade County residents to help you accomplish this vision that you have for Miami Dade County? Mm-hmm. Well, first, it's so important that we continue to take all the precautions to get us through this pandemic, and we do not want people to let up. I see people who've been vaccinated or who've had the disease and recovered, as I have, feeling uh, kind of uh, immune. They they do have some immunity, but they are not totally immune. They can still carry the new variants and everything else. So we need to continue to mask and distance and disinfect and and all the things that we know are important. Uh, But I also know that hope is, is here. We see that uh, we just passed the um, America Rescue Plan. We're going to be moving forward with new programs that will jumpstart our economy. Uh, Miami is benefiting from other places' problems. We have an incredible influx of of new businesses, new uh, technology experts, and we need to turn that pipeline into a pipeline for jobs for our local community in the new economy. So I've launched an initiative called Renew 305 so people can help by bringing us more 
businesses, bringing us more jobs, also signing up for the new training that we're going to be offering, letting others know, joining my Office of Equity and Inclusion to make sure that there's opportunities throughout those disinvested uh, communities. Uh, joining us in our Thrive 305, uh, we just completed the survey, 27,000 people completed it. Now we're going to be doing civic town halls to engage people further and then put together a a plan of action for the county. So I want people to stay close to what we're doing so they can continue to to work with us to achieve the ambitious goals. Okay, and I will send them to your website, miamidade.gov slash mayor, and they can see everything that you're working on. How do you envision Miami-Dade County 10 years from now? What what would your mm. ideal vision be if everything <laughs> works the way you want it to? Yeah. Well, we're going to have a world-class transit system, and people are going to use it as a matter of choice. So people with cars will leave them behind uh, because transit will be so efficient. Our dynamic culture, art scene, international flavors will be on, in full bloom, and people will be arriving here to check out all of our neighborhoods that will be accessible and exciting. Uh, we'll have jobs that will pay very well adequately to pay for the housing costs and a good lifestyle here, employing our local people with good training pipelines. We're going to deal with sea level rise by building smarter and climate change by reducing our carbon footprint. And uh, we're going to have all of our young people with a sense of a brighter future. They'll not be engaged in gangs and retaliatory violence, and people will feel safe in their neighborhoods, and uh, we'll all be able to enjoy this paradise. I love the sound of that. It's a wonderful vision, and I do look forward to the day when I can turn on the TV and there's not another shooting that's being talked about on the news. I love the inclusion that you talk about and the fact that you're willing to go door to door and meet people in their homes face to face. I I just have to believe that will make a difference to the residents when they feel that they're recognized and seen. Yes, yes, I, I believe so. And it's very encouraging because people do know that I'm the mayor when I show up and they say exactly what you said. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, I mentioned it is Women's History Month, and we did want to recognize you for your role as the first female mayor of Miami-Dade County. Who were, in addition to your mother, your grandmother, the women in your family, did you have a mentor or a role model who worked with you and helped you throughout your career? Well, one of the women that I first looked up to in a very significant way is Marion Wright Edelman, who was the founder of the um, Children's Defense Fund, which has done groundbreaking work on policy to help children everywhere. And uh, that was my career goal always, to uh, make sure that children could lead productive and healthy, happy lives uh, like I had. And she happened to serve on the board of trustees at my college, Yale College, and I just was awestruck, starstruck (laughs) to have her there. And uh, I did subsequently get to know her and her husband, Peter Edelman. They've become friends. And and really, you know, she was a person I aspired uh, to be just like. And what advice would you give to our young people today, in addition to setting a a role model, you being a role model, what would you say to them uh, to help them reach out for their dreams? Well, it's so important that people feel that they have a voice, that they have value, 
And I think the way to accomplish that is to find something you really care about and deeply, deeply invest. I love to give a civics class. It's very simple. I call it the daily, weekly, and monthly dose. So this is a way to become really effective as a part of, of your community. Daily, you've got to know what's happening in your community in the news from a trusted source. Weekly, you've got to get out there and explore the community, whether it's cleaning up a beach or uh, volunteering to read to children or uh, visiting elders in a nursing home, whatever, something that connects you deeply to your community and gives a sense of value and meaning. And then monthly, speak up. Let somebody know what you really care about, whether it's writing a letter to me as the mayor, what you like me to do, or a um, letter to the editor of a newspaper, or uh, testifying at a public meeting. Do something to make your voice heard. And pretty soon you'll develop some real civic muscle and you'll feel like you are part of our great democracy. Love it. Daily, weekly, monthly. Easy to remember. Is there anything else that you would like our residents, our community members to know that you'd like to share with the audience? I think it's important to give ourselves permission to grieve this past year. It has been such a difficult year in so many ways for all of us, whether you've lost a dear loved one or been sick yourself or lost a job or lost a business or those you care about having had those same struggles. Uh, This is just something that will scar us for our lives, but also will make us stronger. And, um, you know, I'm here to help the community pull through it and be better than ever. You give us a sense of confidence with your calm and your knowledge. And I thank you for that. You know, sometimes they say that exactly what you need is there when you need it. And I have a feeling this is one of those situations, the right person at the right time. So thank you. Thank thank you you for your accessibility and humanity. Um, Thank you so much. And I I do try hard and I am reminded every single day uh, by virtue of of really staying close uh, to the community. Well, listen, if there's ever any messages that you need to get out to the public, if there's any way that we can help you at Cox Media Group and Easy 93.1, please let us know. We're happy to be a pipeline for you to reach the audience. And I very much appreciate your time. Miami-Dade County Mayor Daniela Levine-Cava, your honor, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Ellen. And thank you for joining us this morning for EZ's Community Focus, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. If you have questions or would like to suggest a topic, you can email me at ellen at easy93.com. Join us again next Sunday at 6.50 for a new segment of Easy's Community Focus. Thanks for listening and have a great day. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.